Welcome back to The Short Game, a show about short video games, games that respect your time. I'm Reagan Kelly, and I'm joined by awesome co-hosts this week, Nate Heinegger. How you doing, Nate? Oh, man, I'm doing really well, especially after playing this awesome game. Hell yeah. And Shane, my bro host, how you doing, Shane? I'm doing even better because not only did I have a great time playing this awesome game, but I had a great time playing this awesome game with you there in Colorado. Yeah, thank you so much for visiting. Which was uh, super yeah. fun. What a beautiful state you live in, Reagan. I mean, it's all right. It's all right. So this week we are talking about Minute. That's M-I-N-I-T. Minute is the latest release from Devolver Digital, publisher. And the developer, as far as I could tell, there's not like a name on the development studio or group. If you look at the development like developer listing on this game, they just list the people involved individually. So this is a game developed by, I think it's Jan Willem Nijman. Uh, Jan, I hope I'm getting that right. It might be Jan, but I'm pretty sure it's a dude. But maybe I'm wrong about that too. So we'll see. Sorry in advance, Jan slash Jan. <laughs> really just dig in on that one. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Jan Yan. Yeah. Uh, 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 th- th- that person is a one of the people involved, one of the two co-founders of Vlambeer. So you guys remember Vlambeer, who developed uh, a ton of cool shit, including Luft Rousers, which we did a most of an episode on one time. Yeah, I really loved the super lo-fi minimalism of Luft Rousers. Yeah. And so maybe that's a through line of Vamb- Vlambeer. Yeah. Which... By their logo, I can only assume means Burning Bear. Yeah, I think it does. <laughs> uh, other developers are uh, Kitty Callis, uh, who I've only really seen through Twitter. But I, uh, according to her bio, she was a contributor to Horizon Zero Dawn. And cool. uh, Jukio Kallo, who is the composer. And Dominic Johan. Uh, who is the art director of Crows, 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 which if you recall nice. our episode on, uh, I'm going to script the Nail name. It. First try. Uh, nope, you got it. Dr. Languskov, the the giant diamond and the mean cat. Emerald. It was a evil emerald, something like that. <laughs> yes. Which uh, I think is the game that holds the short game record for longest episode to game ratio. A 15-minute game that we turned into an hour and 15-minute episode. Ah, our best work, (laughs) truly. Yeah, it (laughs) truly is. We're a show for people who don't have a lot of time to play video games, but have plenty of time to listen to podcasts about those video games. I mean, that describes me. (laughs) In short, the short game is a podcast of contrasts. Indeed. (laughs) And so that's like a really, that's a kind of a dream team. Like, that's some really good uh developers there and they've put together a game that is like as short game as you can get like this this is like just the just the description of this game i was instantly like okay that's gonna be an episode of the show and i'm so glad that it actually held up as a super fun thing yeah um and and before uh, i agree totally this is like the poster child for the concept of our show but uh before we jump into that i do just want to throw a uh, kind of shout out to Devolver Digital. Um, they just continue to show up on our show. Um, I don't know exactly what how they make their decisions, um, but I've loved just about every game that they've put out. Uh, 
we I played a ton of Downwell. You know, it's crazy. Devolver being a publisher, right? It's so it's so odd to have such a. I mean, I I I don't have that many really positive associations with publishers of games. Mostly I'm, but then again, um, you know, it's so hard to, I don't think about the publisher so much. And so, you know, it is really nice when a name rises to that level of being kind of a seal of, of, you know, that, like that classic gold Nintendo seal, like, you know, that's going to be a good game. And Devolver has, has done a good job of like being that, being that name that I look for. Uh, on a lot of the indie stuff. I feel like a lot of times the publisher is also the game developer for the stuff that we look at. So this is, they, they obviously do a good job of, of bringing together people. I think this is a good evidence of that. Yeah. I think Um, of it as sort of like the record label philosophy of game development is, you know, like, yeah, there's, there's a lot of variety, but it's all kind of got a certain vibe and it's hard to really put your finger on what that vibe is. But I think it's like really, clever, very indie, usually kind of a little bit lo-fi stuff that just needs a little bit of marketing and maybe a little bit of development cash behind it to turn into something really special. And they've done a great job. Yeah. So you're absolutely right, Nate. Devolver, I mean, not everything I've played of Devolvers has totally been like my shit, but like they've got a good track record so it, it was definitely like okay cool i'm glad devolver's name was on this one i think they're okay. uh, you know they're, it's definitely something that makes me take a second look at something yeah reigns was the big one that i couldn't think of a moment ago when i was listing games that i like from them i mean that is we've done two episodes on the reigns games reigns was super um, good i mean they yeah. published uh talos principle I'm thinking of like what else they published. Actually, a lot of games now. Like if you go to their website, it's 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 big. It's a big list. Mm-hmm. Anyway, this game is pretty freaking cool. So Minute, to give you the the like back-of-the-box description, is an adventure game or an adventure action game in the sort of vaguely in the vein of the Legend of Zelda series. But the key hook here is that this is a game where you will die. You will die every 60 seconds. So it's a game where you have to progress the story in a sort of Zelda-like way. It's top-down, you collect items, those items are mostly weapons, but they usually have other uh, other options that go along with them as well. Um, but there, there is no, you know, two-hour-long dungeon in this game. Everything, you wake up out of your bed, you go do or try to do a thing, and you are then dead immediately within 60 seconds. There is a clock on screen at all times. Yeah, and it's like doom, doom, doom for the last three seconds, so you are very aware that you're about to die. And and for the most part, the world resets. Now, the things that stick through are the items that you collect, which is the main way that you progress through the game. 
uh, and some environmental things, uh, especially later, stay the same once you've affected them. But for the most part, like a really simple one, uh, there's these bushes that block your way, and you have to use the sword to cut through them. Every single time, those bushes are back. So they are there, and you have to cut through them to get through it every single time. Yeah, but discovering the things that do and don't reset every time you die is kind of like part of the part of the exploration of the game. Also, it has what I'd say is a pretty striking and kind of unique art style. This game is 100% black and white pixel art. And I'm not talking about grayscales. This isn't even Game Boy level of pixel art. I mean, it's beautiful. It's very well considered and very thought out pixel art. But this is one bit, you know, black or white, very striking pixel art. It reminds me kind of the most of like the ZX Spectrum, like the like old um, British ZX Spectrum games. I can see that. I don't have that kind of touchstone in my life. I've literally never been in the same room as, as a ZX Spectrum, whatever that might look like. So to me, it mainly reminded me of the Tamagotchi because your main <laughs> character looks like a little Tamagotchi boy. He does. He's got the lips. He got the big yes. old lips. Yeah, he's got that long snout or beak, maybe. <laughs> I don't know which it is. And he uh, walks around, and I guess if you don't feed him, he he, he gets mad, and, and he takes shits, and you have to clean it up. Wait, none of those. None <laughs> of those things. Well, half of those things. He knows how to use a toilet. Yeah, there's, there is a toilet in this game. I also always said Tamagotchi. Is what it did I say? Tamagotchi? Tam- well, it's a regional thing, Nate. You wouldn't understand. Yeah, I know. <laughs> We're from Houston, It's a, it's a regional expression. Yeah. Everyone, yeah, there are uh, a striking amount of differences in the way people pronounce Tamagotchi all around the world. It is uh, something that brings us all together. What you call Tamagotchi, we call steamed hams. You know what I just learned recently this week was that the word Tamagotchi is a Japanese portmanteau of the word mm. Tamago, which is Japanese for egg. And Tomodachi, which is Japanese for friend. So Tamagotchi is egg friend. I love a good portmanteau. Um, so, man, so like, and Pokemon, right? So mm-hmm. they're really onto something. The Japanese mm-hmm. love wordplay. Yeah, and so do I. Shout out to portmanteaus. Uh, yeah, shout out to portmanteaus. Um, you know, who I guess are. the only like touchstone I, I kept thinking of is like, like the original Oregon Trail. Uh, only that's obviously green and black, but that it felt pretty similar to me uh, in some, especially in some of the um, really trimmed down parts of the world where you're like, okay, out in the so desert. that's the that's that old Apple II version of Oregon Trail where you get yeah. the uh, where you get to shoot the bandits. <laughs> and there's just like there's a couple scenes in this game where you're just in a desert and all that's on the screen are like a cactus and like two scorpions. Yes. <laughs> and I was like, this feels like Oregon trail. <laughs> I totally, I totally see that. It does yeah. feel like art wise, like it could be like an Apple II game. Like th- th- yeah. visually, this doesn't look like a console game. It looks like an old, old, old mini, like microcomputer or, or personal computer game. Well, it, it, it also, it doesn't take up your whole screen. The whole thing, it, you know, like any of these old games, it's all, screens right you're in one screen then you hit the side of the screen and it moves to the to the next yeah, yeah. Screen. zelda style scrolling yeah one screen at and a time. and there are even 
when you're playing, at least, you know, I think on, on most TVs, it, it doesn't fill the whole TV screen. They've condensed it down to be like not yeah. even a major part of your TV screen. So no, actually, I didn't even no. really think about that. But you're right. Of course, it's it's like four by three. I mean, obviously, they're going for a retro aesthetic here, but I think that's kind of cool. It's got the sort yeah. of basically four by three aspect ratio. In addition to being part of its retro aesthetic and retro appeal, I think that also is kind of like a good thing because you know, you got to walk left to right across these screens a lot. Maybe having a having a square is better than having a rectangle, you know? And, you know, maybe even control-wise, it has that retro aesthetic because you could play this game on an original Atari controller. Basically, like, you, yeah. You only need two buttons and, and a direction. And really, you only need one button. Yeah. The second button is just if you want, you can, at any time, you can press zero to die and just start the clock over. But technically, you could just... Yeah, Wait frankly, if you'd gotten rid of that button, I would have done better at the game because I hit it more <laughs> often too. accidentally than on purpose. Well, and I think the entire concept of the game requires that everything in the game be as simple as possible because you only have a minute, right? Yeah. So if if it required anything other than, uh, and I know we're going to talk about this more, but like come up with a theory and test it, uh, if you had to like, look at the map and understand the different creatures and, and interpret different, you know, symbols and, and figure things out. Like you don't have time for that. So the, the, the design is, is, is beautiful in its own right, but simple and its controls are simple so that all you have to worry about is like what your next move is. And you don't have to spend a lot of time like learning the map or learning the, um, ins and outs of how the game works. You just, I mean, go. honestly, if you have to learn anything in this game, it is the map. Yeah. Well, sure. But I, I guess, I mean, like when a, when a screen pops up, you're not like, Oh, what is this whole new set of like actionable items and things that I have to like deduce? It's like, Oh, there's some creatures and some trees and some doors and things like that. I've got to figure out the right way to maneuver around them or, or whatever. Something about that that makes this so approachable is that like that, I mean, it just re- it reduces the possibility space of some of these like puzzles. There are puzzles in the game, but you know from the get-go that there is no puzzle in this game that can't be solved in 60 seconds. So if you have some idea about, oh, well, maybe it's this whole thing. If you're, if your idea about what to try takes more than 60 seconds, you can toss that shit right out. And that actually helped focus me a whole lot mm-hmm. and made some of the things that would have felt like kind of tedious puzzles. I mean, I, I love the Zelda series, but sometimes I find myself kind of frustrated with some of the dungeons because they require these immense setups. You know, I get turned around in a dungeon and suddenly a puzzle that should be really simple is actually this really complicated thing where I don't know where I am. Uh, this never had that because there is nothing in this game that takes more than 60 seconds to accomplish. That's genius yeah. on so many levels. Yeah. And I would say that um, a lot of a lot of puzzle games, there's like two elements to it. There's figuring out what to do and then there's execution. And oftentimes like the execution is the hardest part. Like not only I, I think of like uh, like a portal or um, I don't know, this that style of game where not only you have to figure out what to do, but then how to do it. Um, this game, I think the execution is really, really simple. You're generally, you know, the the solution to things is oh, push this box over here, walk on it, and do this. Uh, the the puzzle is figuring out what to do. 
So it, it allows you to, once you figure out how to do it, you can usually do it pretty easily. So you don't have to spend like a lot of runs first figuring out what to do, then figuring out if you can do it. Like it's only a minute and they don't even make you waste that much time on the puzzles themselves. It's just have a theory, see if you can do it. You, if you can probably test it in one or two tries and it works or it doesn't. And then you just keep going. But the other nice thing about that is that like, yes, these puzzles are incredibly simple. Yes. You can, you can do whatever the thing is that you've got to do in less than 60 seconds, sometimes just barely, which is great. Mm -hmm. Um, But that doesn't mean that these puzzles don't have like, aha, wow, that's awesome solutions. Like there are so many times in this game uh, I was, I felt stuck and I was like, I've done everything that you can possibly do in this game in 60 seconds and I've got nothing else I can try. And then suddenly, oh, wait, there's the thing. And I felt like a genius for another 60 seconds until I was, <laughs> until I was yeah, stuck and again. I think that's arguably I, everyone has different things they like in puzzle games. Um, I get really into like it was really hard to do even after I figured it out. But arguably, generally, the most satisfying thing is figuring out what you need to do. Yeah. And that's what this game is all about. What do I need to do? I only have 60 seconds. It can't be that far from wherever I spawned. It can't be that complicated, but it might be just a little off of what you're expecting. It might be a really clever use of some of the items that you have. Um, or you classic adventure style, you might not yet have the item that you need in order to accomplish that puzzle. I know I ran into a few times where I'm like, I can't, I, 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 I'm 90% sure I know what to do. I just can't do it. So there must be an item that I don't have yet. Uh, and that was the only time I ever really got stuck on this game was when I finally gave up was like, there must be an item I don't have yet. And then sure enough, you know, a half hour later, because the game's not super long, I had that item. And it was like, great, this is exactly what I was looking for. And I was able to go back and do the thing that I wasn't able to do before. Speaking of that style of progression, of the sort of classic adventure game style, obviously this game's biggest influence is the Zelda series. You know, right? It, it, it really wears that on its sleeve. It has the top-down Zelda perspective. It begins with you wandering out onto a beach uh, and finding a sword, which like yep. this game is so that's the start of Zelda. Yeah, it, well, it, specifically, I think this game is like wearing its love for um, Link's Awakening, and also yeah. to another s- different sort of extent, Majora's Mask. But specifically, Link's Awakening on its sleeve, like this is it's got an almost Game Boy like aesthetic. It yeah, starts yeah, once with again that one bit art style. Yeah, it starts with the like f- wander out to a beach and find a sword. It's got that same sort of like vibe of like. A small but really dense world full of bizarre characters kind of thing. So this really felt Link's Awakening E to me. Um, but like specifically to your point, Nate, like how it has this progress. It, it's much more point and click. I wouldn't quite say like LucasArtsy, but like that vibe of like point and click adventure game. It's got that kind yeah. of progression to it, like a lot. Yeah, that's what I really... That, felt when I was playing it It was like oh this is an adventure game and then it made me realize that I had two different uh two so very different genres in my head that I categorized as like adventure game like the point and click adventure game and the action adventure game and you know uh, having a game that felt like an absolute midpoint between those two was kind of um neat yeah Uh, it, it definitely 
Uh, it definitely would have worn out. I think it might have worn out its welcome if it had been a whole heck of a lot longer. But it was the perfect length, which means it's great for us. Yeah, we usually we usually do this kind of at the end. But how long did this game take you guys? About three hours. Yeah, same here. Just under. I, I finished it in 90 minutes. But, <laughs> <laughs> but I almost I and I've talked about this. I talked about this off you know, before we got on the show, I was actually really disappointed that I finished it so fast because I, 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 I think I inadvertently took like the optimal path and I left a lot of stuff to the side. Um, the game is so the, the story, like the progression is pretty ab- abstract that completely honest. I did not realize that I was about to beat the game when I beat the game. And I thought I was just like completing a major step, not actually finishing it until it became very obvious. And in hindsight, I should have known. But, you know, you just get in the grind of like solving things. And it was a culmination of a lot of solves that I was pretty excited to do. I wish that I had stopped and thought about it for a moment before doing it and going back and hitting a lot of things that I'd passed up. I I know of at least several items and coins and other things that you get. I I know where they are. I just was like, oh, I'll go back for those. Um, and then I didn't get a chance. So I finished it in 90 minutes, but I'm like kind of bummed that I did. I I was having a great time. The good news there, though, is that there is a new game plus mode. Exactly. And I already started that. Uh, and it's cool. Um, it, it adds to the game and makes it more difficult, which I appreciate. Um, so but I want to like I, I really think I'm going to start a second just second run of the base game and go and do those things that I like passed up uh, before because it only like I think probably three to four hours is the right length for this game but 90 minutes didn't feel like enough I was like man I want more I, I would love I hope there's a minute too you know oh man um, two two minutes yes <laughs> um, <laughs> no no the, the natural thing would be for that game to reset every 30 seconds yeah right <laughs> uh, well n- new game plus is 40 seconds oh so. interesting yeah okay mm-hmm. I didn't realize that that's great yeah, I, yeah. I, uh, I can't wait to try the new game plus on this, but actually something like very rarely have I ever finished a game and immediately been like, OK, I want to play this again from the start. And mm-hmm. uh, that made me think like this would be I mean, at the time I was thinking like this would be a super fun game to learn to speed run. I bet I could speed run this game and do OK. Right. And so I, I looked up some information about this game and speed running and I mean, it's kind of an ideal speedrun game. I mean, I think that's the ideal speedrun games are these ancient games that everyone has played and that are riddled with bugs. And this isn't quite that, but it is a game that's sort of really organized around how fast can you do the thing, right? Mm-hmm. And so I looked up the speedrun records on this, and it's already being speedrun pretty aggressively by by some folks online. And I found a video, it seems like at least as of the last time, as of the last, as of whenever this video was made, the current speedrun record for this game is seven minutes and 24 seconds, which is insane. And so I watched this video and this is really like, it's it's cool and very high level play in that like he clearly knows exactly the best route for everything. Uh, every 60 seconds, he's usually accomplishing like two to three major objectives within each 60 second reset uh, it's awesome so this is a game that like made me think like okay i think i could do this i could speed run this now i don't know if i could seven minutes and 24 seconds speed run this but like anybody could learn to speed run this game once you know the, the ins and outs of it and i think it'd be really fun to do yeah i mean looking back on it 
I, knowing the path that I did, I feel like I could do that in a quarter of the time that I did, you know, the first time, because you just know what to do. Yeah. Um, I, I also wanted to say, well, well, first of all, seven minutes is insane, especially for that a game that just, that just came out. So I like, he'll probably be able to get it even less because that is, you know, one of the first real crazy speed runs and they'll figure out other stuff. They'll probably figure out a way to like glitch through a wall, fall through the world and complete the game in like 30 seconds anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. But, you know, I'll look forward to that. I, I I know two things that I just want to call to that I think was part of why I, I finished it fast. I did definitely make judicious use of the death, the auto kill. If mm-hmm. I knew right away I'd made like, uh, some of the stuff does, it'll take you almost exactly 60 seconds. So instead of trying to like do it, I would just like, I screwed up and start over. So I had a lot of like two or three second or five second runs that I would just yeah. start right over and until I had it exactly right. But also bigger, I had, I was playing uh, this with Molly as well. So we kind of like two minds going at it at the same time, which anytime you can, at least for me, play these sorts of puzzle games, where you can say it out loud. Like, Oh, I wonder if I try this or I wonder if we do this. Like, I think that is really, really helpful as well. Totally. Yeah, I, I love that. I, I, I think Shane and I finished. So I had already finished the game, but playing together with Shane, like it was fun to watch him play this game. And, yeah, you know, he found a couple of little things that I hadn't found. And it's rad. So it's a, it's a great game to play together with a friend, even if it is just a totally single player thing. It really is. Even if you've even if you've seen them uh, play it before, which means I think I would enjoy watching someone stream this game a little bit. So I might I might seek that out. Yeah, totally. I I would I would totally put this in my like top shelf recommendations. I mean, I don't I don't really know Absolutely. if I can rank things on this show, but like this is a great short game. It is mm-hmm. three hours or less for the standard playthrough for most people, probably. And each individual session is 60 seconds or less, which meant that I felt no guilt about setting this game down and picking it up at almost any moment. It, it made it really, really great to just sort of, you know, I play three or four lives, try and figure out, okay, what should I do next? Do a thing. And, you know, hands off, come back to it later. It worked just fine. Super they, fun. They also, they have a very in, um, uh, intuitive, what I almost thought of as like a checkpoint system, which is where your home is. Um, and it makes yeah, just it walk even, into one of the houses. Yeah, and that's where you start when you die. And what I liked about that is it, it did, I played this over two sessions, but I did take some like breaks in between. And it was really easy to put down and come back to not have to think like, Oh man, where am I in this world? What is my goal? What are like, like most adventure games? What are the stacks of things I'm trying to accomplish at the same time? Um, There's no like puzzles within puzzles here. Everything is very apparent. Exactly. So it's easy to pick down, put back up, uh, do like micro sessions where you, like you said, you're only doing like three or four runs or play for a half an hour, put it down, come back two days later, play for an hour straight. You know, maybe you'll beat it, maybe not, but um, you don't really need to like, you can just pick up where you left off. It's great. Um, yeah, I, I think this immediately, when I think of games that like our show is about and what I would recommend to someone who isn't maybe like the biggest gamer, I think I would definitely think of this game. In addition to like having like good, just sort of usability stuff like that, like we were just talking about, it also has a great hint system that I wanted to call out because I thought it was really fun. Um did you guys find the ghosts, the hint ghosts? No, yeah. I I didn't find that at all. Yeah, that's really it's really funny. They're too, really the cute. 
I, I love that. It almost felt completely lifted from, do you remember there were hint ghosts in uh, Link Between Worlds? You had to get like special oh, glasses yeah. or goggles and then there were ghosts hanging yeah. out all over the world who would give you hints. But there they were like, there they were a little bit more uh, like f- for kids, you know, like the hints were very <laughs> obvious. Uh, yeah. This was like, the, the hints were great. First off, it is kind of hard to find the ghosts. I, I mean, I don't want to spoil anything, but like, you know, there's a haunted house. You can you can figure out how to get the hint ghosts from the haunted house. Yeah. And once you activate the hint ghosts, there's just ghosts hanging out sort of all over the place. And they all give you little some of them, I think, were like rhyming, but like little uh, little They're like riddle. hints. Yeah, little riddle hints. And yeah. man, I'm so mad them, I missed this. Yeah, most of them weren't like hint uh, key to advancing the game. But they did give no, you hints at little secrets that you might otherwise have missed, which I liked. Yeah, I found them. I would read them and I'd be like, oh, that's cute. And, and I felt like no need to take the moment that it would have taken to like interpret what they were hinting at. Yeah. It's just like, oh, that's kind of fun. Like if I wanted if I needed a hint, I would stop and and maybe try to like interact if, with it more. Yeah, but if it, you were going to like really go hard at a hundred percenting this game, maybe you'd want to yeah. listen to every hint ghosts thing and, and try and interpret every single one of them. But I don't, I don't know. Yeah. yeah I, I think I only really used one hint from the ghosts, but it was nice to be able to activate them. Yeah. And it, it felt more like flavor to the world. Yeah. Um, you know, you're just walking around and you might have, you only have 60 seconds, which they make, there's a couple jokes embedded in the game about how even like reading stuff uh, takes ah, time. Yes. <laughs> uh, and, and so man. I kind of liked, yeah, I kind of liked that flavor to it. Just like, oh, I'm passing through here. Here's a ghost who's going to tell me a cryptic thing that I'm probably just going to read and be like, huh. It's really just going to slow and, you down. <laughs> yeah, and go forward with. But if you wanted to, you could. And I assume that they all actually led to something worthwhile. Mm-hmm. Something else about that hint, the hint ghosts, I got really stuck towards the end of the game. We'll probably talk about specifically where we got stuck or particular puzzles and things after the spoiler break. Uh, but like I got really stuck near the end of the game to the point where like I kind of sat the game down and, and quit playing for a while. And uh, when I, I, I decided, okay, I'm going to just search Twitter and see if I can find anybody talking about the game. And the the developers have what seems to be an official hint line Twitter account. The main ghost is named Mary, Mary, the hint ghosts ghost. And you can, uh, you can hit up Mary on Twitter at, uh, minute Mary. And if you ask her for a hint about wherever you're at in the game, she will totally give you a hint. I don't know how long they're going to be running this, this hint service on, on their Twitter, but it was actually kind of great. I, as it happened, I managed to find out what I was, you know, I managed to beat the game before minute, uh, Mary got back to me. Um, but, you know, she said, hey, it looks like you. And so I tweeted about finishing the game. She, she tweeted back, hey, it looks like you beat it. Do you still need any help? Are you doing okay? And I said, yeah, I've got it. And then she sent me a little emoji of like a trophy or something. And I was like, nice. Yeah. Thank you, Minute Mary. So I, I, I love, love that. that. It was great. Yeah, <laughs> That's so awesome. Uh, I, it's like a you know this game is throwback in so many ways, and a hint line is a thing that really only existed in a very small uh, window of the video game history. Yeah, uh, I never, I never got to have that experience that so many people have described yeah. of like calling the Nintendo hotline nine hundred number. <laughs> yeah, because you'd be like, hey, uh, mom. I've got, I'm stuck on this game. Can I spend like $11 to call this hint line or whatever? They're like, 
No. No, are you kidding me? What? <laughs> yeah. Figure it out, kid. Yeah. It's like, okay, yeah, that's fair. <laughs> but I love that, uh, you know, they found a way to make to, to have that available. Uh, yeah. But through Twitter, which, you know, obviously makes sense. And, I mean, like, having finished the game, I kind of scanned over some of the things she was telling people. And it's like, man, I missed some shit. Like, if you're if you're not averse to spoilers, if you scan through some of the hints that Minute Mary is giving out, she has some really interesting tips that were about things that I completely missed playing the game through the first time. I think I only hit like sixty five or sixty nine percent of the items. Yeah, I, yeah, I had 50, I ended there. up with fifty five percent, and I and I really that's like the ones that. I wonder what is necessary to beat the game. Yeah, I don't know. That is, and gotta be many... pretty low if somebody did it in seven minutes. <laughs> yeah. I mean, they were getting an item every I, twenty-five seconds. I'm also com- curious to see like a hundred percent speed run. Yes, yeah, because yeah, that couldn't be that much longer, right? I just I gotta know like what did I miss? I, I don't know, man. Like I, I felt like I'd found everything. Well, it does. Uh, if you go into the the options menu, it'll tell you there's like nineteen total coins. There's uh, and I'm assuming there's I secrets think there's beyond that. Sixteen but... items, and I think I found like nine yeah. of them or something. So I, I think it would be an interesting game to try to hundred percent. Like I, I'd love to go back yeah. and play this some more and and find out what those things are that I missed. And I really feel like there are some really rewarding secrets in there. For example, I don't know what the actual secret of this is, and I kind of don't want to know yet. But I saw someone alluding to the secret of the snakes. And there are snakes all over this game. And I, I was just like killing those snakes. But I want to know what is the secret of the snakes? I must go back now and find out what is the secret of the snakes. There's a secret to the snakes? Apparently. I have been slowly but surely uh, making my way towards 100% on Celeste and 100% on Into the Breach, which I have never cared about 100% in games before. That's just something that I've had no interest in. But both of those games, I, I, I've been kind of wanting to do. But they're like very physical things. Like, can you do it with Celeste? And then uh, um, Into the Breach is like a strategy game. I almost want to do, I want 100% minute more for two reasons. One, the like puzzle, like what the hell is the secret of the snakes? There is nothing like that in the two other games that I'm doing. And also the uh, the fact that you can just try stuff over and over and over and it's it's satisfying and fun, um, and I feel like I would not be breaking my face against it uh, to try to figure out what the secret of the snakes is. Unlike Celeste, which I have a hand cramp <laughs> after <laughs> you know after each B side that I beat. So um, this is a good little time for games, though. I, yeah. Like <laughs> this is uh, we're like running back to back to back to back here on some really awesome games. Totally. Yeah, and. And, uh, you know, I, I hear some, like, people with, you know, dismal views about the the state of indie games uh, now. But I don't – I'm not Ooh. seeing it. The, they, maybe they're just get, – the indie games are just getting shorter. As a player, it's still a pretty good time for indie games. I think it's it sure tough is. for developers out there. And I hope that this game does well for its developers because this is a masterpiece for – It's a it rules. It's an absolutely, like – it's an exercise in minimalism that succeeds on every level. It's 
it's so fun to play and mm-hmm. so fun to talk about. Like I had a, a ton of fun just asking you guys, Hey, did you find this thing? Or what was this thing? Or ah, it was just so much fun. And there's so many little details in it. Yeah. I'm really looking forward to, it. I know, I think we're getting close to it here shortly. Yeah. But our spoiler break, I, uh, I want to know about your, the, you know, we're going to talk about the specifics. We've been keeping it pretty vague. Because, yeah. You know, like most games, the experience is playing it and experiencing it. We don't want to spoil that for you. Uh, this game more so than a lot of the games we do. Um, but if you've played it, we're going to talk about our experiences more uh, specific and personally after the spoiler break. But we'd also love to hear from you. What was your favorite part of the game? What was your favorite um, secret? Did you find the secret of the snakes please write to me and tell me about the snakes if you found out about the snakes i want to hear about the snakes please thank you yeah i found a lot of snakes but no secrets they didn't really do anything yeah (laughs) except die when i hit them with my sword yep yeah so this game is 9.99 which is like lower than the average indie game price point i think they were trying to make sure that this i mean this is a lo-fi looking game and it's like three-ish hours long so i think they were trying to make sure that that everybody felt fair and square but i would have i mean this game is worth more than 9.99 9.99 is a crazy bargain for this game it is out on the playstation 4 the xbox one and pc mac and Linux via Steam, GOG, and itch.io. So if you go to minutegame.com, you'll find links to all of those things. Another thing in terms of buying the game that I wanted to point out that I think is fun and I kind of am thinking about picking up is that if you go to Devolver Digital's store for merch, uh, you can buy a plushie of the main character from Minute, and it is very cute. And it's $25 and comes with a code for the game that you can redeem, I think, on Steam. So if oh, you're if you're wanting to buy this game, I think this game is worth $25. And so essentially, you're getting a free plushie. Why not do that? I think that'd be fun. So uh, it's, And if you're really into uh, Tamagotchi, you can just pretend it's a Tamagotchi mini, which, you know, I, I think are kind of hard to come by. So here that's you go. That's probably true. It, it, it's so Tamagotchi-ish looking. It's very Tamagotchi-ish <laughs> looking. And also, got to give a shout out to the music. Oh, yeah. The music is Um, so good. It's really good. It it fits the tone perfectly and varied. Yeah, it's lots it's, of different sounds that kind of really flowed together on this. Mm-hmm. And and pick up, escalate like appropriately. You know, give you that sense of adventure and action that you uh, that maybe the graphics aren't exactly giving you. Um, the the music is lifting uh, lifting that up. It, it's really nice uh, and really well done. Uh, and probably the least minimalist part of the entire game because it is a full on like video game soundtrack yeah it definitely has sort of a retro sound to it but it's it's not restrained by that vibe like it's with the, with the art they are clearly going for like very um you know they set up some really serious restrictions for themselves with the art it's in, it's incredibly minimalist one bit black and white um but the the soundtrack it has that vibe of extremely old technology but still 
it, it's got some complexity within that that feels really alive. Yeah, I think of um, uh, it's been a while since we've compared anything to Undertale, but I think of like Undertale, where like yeah. if you're if you're just playing and you're not really paying attention, it sounds like it's oh, it's all retro video game music, and then like you actually stop and listen to it, and it's a lot better or not better. It's more complex and maybe is using way more modern instruments than uh, you know retro games could have. Uh, it gave me that sort of vibe. Fits yeah. the theme, but then it's m- deeper than you're expecting. Yeah, the the soundtrack is on uh, uh, on sound. Sorry, it's on Bandcamp and also on Spotify. So if you uh, if you want to go check it out, it's on all, both of those places. I think if you want to buy it on Bandcamp, it's like five euros, um, which I'll probably be doing. But yeah, it's on on Spotify as well. If you want to just check it out there, it's a great soundtrack. You know, also just one last thing while we we mentioned the the art. I don't know if like there's something about this art that's incredibly impressive. It's incredibly hard, I think, to make pixel art that is literally just black and white and not have everything essentially sort of bleed into or become part of everything else. It is Mm -hmm. all black and white. And yet they manage to always make the main character stand out from the background. The, uh, the little anime animal sprites like the crabs and the other, uh, like the bull and all the other things, all of the, uh, all of the other sprites are very distinct. There's never any difficulty reading. Like what is an, object I can interact with versus something that I can't. And they, they've taken away all of the normal tricks that you'd use to pull that stuff off and make sure that people can tell what everything is. Um, you know, it's, it's such an exercise in minimalism and yet it's all so clear. There was a clear vision for like every single little object in this game, what it should look like, how to be able to tell what it looks like against different types of backgrounds, even just something as simple as, you know, the main character, this essentially white blob with a black outline, walking along the floor of his house, which is a wooden floor, which means it has black and white stripes. So stark and everything was still so very clear. You're never like, okay, where does he end and the, the floor begin? Yeah, it's amazing. It's amazing artwork. It's so mm-hmm. minimalist. Loved it. It's exquisitely practical. Yeah. While being... Uh, visually pleasing. And they have some banner art for it that you'll see like on the marketing materials for the game and also on the title screen that has this much more like illustrated non-pixel art vibe. (laughs) And that's also great. Like that's also an incredibly great, uh, very minimalist, but cute hand-drawn looking kind of vision for yeah whoever the, whoever the artist was, they were like, okay, here you can go and just like have fun and make it look here. Now you have unlimited pixels and it's still (laughs) great. Exactly. Yeah. So everything about this game is awesome. You should definitely play it. Nine ninety nine <laughs> on all of the things. Uh, it's not on Switch yet. Stop asking and uh, <laughs> check it out. So before we go to our spoiler break, we've been talking about adding a quick little segment to the show that hopefully won't take up too much time. Listeners, we want your feedback on whether this is something that you want us to do or keep doing. Um, but uh, inspired by other shows like important if true uh, pop culture happy hour uh, waypoint radio has started doing this and lots of others uh, we've been thinking about just before our spoiler break adding a little quick segment where each of our co-hosts can tell a little bit about something off topic that has been making us happy this week or what is a cool thing maybe not even necessarily video game related that we want to call out as something awesome 
Uh, we don't know what to call this segment yet. Different shows have different names for it, although it's a pretty common thing. So let us know if you have a cool idea for some for what we ought to call this thing. But uh, I will go ahead and start and say that uh, this week, actually slightly more than a week, something that I've been doing that is not a short game is I've been playing a whole lot of... So I, I finished up a bunch of RPGs earlier this year, and I kind of was seeking around to find a new RPG to play, something long. I can really only track one long game at a time. Uh, and uh, right at that same time, uh, the remake, or I guess remaster is probably a more appropriate word for it, of Radiant Historia for the DS came out. And so right now, I'm about halfway through... Radiant Radiant Historia Perfect Chronology, which is a DS, or rather, sorry, 3DS remake of the DS RPG Radiant Historia. Uh, Radiant Historia is really a really good. If you liked uh, Chrono Trigger, you'll find some stuff to like there because it plays with time travel a bit. Um, but this time it's a bit different. There's multiple different sort of concurrent timelines you can jump between. Also, it's a good RPG for folks who like interesting, slightly off-the-standard combat systems. Everything happens on a kind of a grid, or at least the enemies are all on a grid. You're not, so the grid is uh, you have to. You know, a lot of the a lot of the the combat system involves kind of kiting your enemies around, trying to move them around so that they're in stacks, so that you can do damage to multiple enemies at a time. It's a really neat combat system, something I I haven't seen in other games, and it's. A little bit of a swan song for the 3DS. The 3DS is on its way out, and this is, I mean, it's a remake of a DS RPG, but it's like a really good 3DS RPG with actually good voice acting and a protagonist that is not a child who has inherited the destiny of saving the world. In fact, no, it is a adult who is a soldier and knows what he's doing, which I love. Uh, so it's a good RPG. It's on the 3DS. Uh Check it out if you like that sort of thing. So that's one of the things that's been, I don't know, it's one of the non-short game things I've been doing. What about you guys? Oh, man, that sounds uh, that sounds fun. I guess the thing that I've been putting a lot of mental uh, gymnastics into lately is uh, trying to convert a old Call of Cthulhu module to a different set of rules. Cool. And it's really, really fun. Uh, I don't... I mean, listeners to the podcast know that I'm a big uh, D&D nerd, uh, but it goes deeper. I'm just a generic tabletop RPG nerd. Uh, I'm always very interested in finding out what the what the different systems people have come up with are, what kind of rules people can use. And going back to, like, high school, uh, I always loved Call of Cthulhu. And so... Uh, I am converting the old Call of Cthulhu module uh, Tatters of the King to a new set of rules uh, so that it plays faster in a more modern way and so that I don't have to learn the thousand percentile tables that are involved in the old Call of Cthulhu rules. So um, I'm super excited about it. Um, I don't know if that translates to the audience of a video game podcast. kind of does, I guess. Have you any of you guys? Uh, are any of you guys? We 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 play I mean, a lot of D and D. Call together. of Cthulhu is rad. Like I I remember from high school, um, spending many hours pouring through the Call of Cthulhu source books, it's, which are just full of weird, freaky details. So much fun. Yeah, I never played any tabletop game other than a 
awkward false start in middle school of D and I would I imagine would be fourth edition until we all mm-hmm. started playing D and D together. I'm really excited because uh, I've just ran into some guys playing board games. Uh, it's kind of friends of a friends of a friend of mine, and uh, we were playing Arkham Horror, the uh, kind of Call of Cthulhu themed board game. I know you guys are big mm-hmm. board games fans. I was just thinking today how weird it is how many board games have the Cthulhu mythos as their theme. I mean, it's you know? royalty free now. <laughs> so yeah, I was going to say just like every everything uses Cthulhu all the time. Uh, other than like mainstream movies, but even still, it's inspired by it. So, well, Shane, keep us up to date on your uh, Call of Cthulhu adventure. I want to hear how you how you drive these poor player characters mad. I will kicking things off on the 18th uh, if all goes according to plan. Awesome. And Nate, do you have anything to uh, that's been making you happy lately? Yeah, I got a couple things that's been making me happy. Um, not video game. Well, other than the video games. I already went over into the Breach Celeste in this game, which I'm still playing constantly. I'm going to talk totally outside of games. I had a unique dining experience the other day that I think might be uh, relevant to your guys' interests. Um, There's a place in St. Louis. It's relatively new. It's called Black Market. And they make sushi burritos. Now... (laughs) I don't know if you guys have had that before. It was my first time having it. You're talking um, to somebody who lived in the Bay Area. Sushi burritos grow on trees there. Yeah, okay. I figured so. Um, but it was my first time having one. Uh, I, I'm i a huge sushi fan. It, yeah. Any at all, you know, I'll take it. Uh, and it was great. It's exactly what it sounds like. It's just a bigger roll of, uh, <laughs> of sushi. Um, American size. It was great. Yeah, you can grip it, you know. Um <laughs> Which was fantastic. Uh, I will say, I, I one of the things I love about sushi is the variety. So it is a little different getting like one giant tube of sushi that you eat. That <laughs> uh, but it does give more room, you know, so they can normally cram more stuff in it than you might get in a uh, a single normal size sushi roll. So if you have a sushi burrito place in your uh, area, I recommend giving it a shot. I felt kind of uncomfortable the one time I had a sushi burrito because like you get you get this gigantic roll, right? And it's not like a regular burrito. It has I mean this is the like it has the nori on the outside or at least mine did. Mm-hmm. It's like wrapped in the the yeah. seaweed roll. And it just I mean it was it was big, it was heavy, extremely mm-hmm. heavy, heavier than your average burrito. And it had full of fish. Yeah, it had this sort of like like squishiness to it that was like it's firm and yet squishy in a way that a typical burrito isn't. But I guess like yeah, you mean sushi at that size is. (laughs) And it just sort of felt like I was gripping like a fat baby's leg. It was like (laughs) kind of like uh, I don't know. I I mean, tasted okay, but like it was uh, the the feeling of it was off. I don't know. Oh God. Listeners, if you like this segment where Reagan describes the horrifying experience of eating a live baby's leg, I've, write well, to us on I'm, Twitter. That's where I'm torn, though, because I both agree and disagree with you. I think any good burrito <laughs> feels like a <laughs> giant baby. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't feel like that's unique to these sushi burritos. <laughs> um, Excellent point, Nate. Excellent <laughs> All burritos are cannibalism. Yeah, so check it out if that sounds like your thing. Even if it doesn't, but you like sushi, give it a try. Yeah, you know, totally. Um, Go for it. It was it was unique. And report uh, back. 
about your yeah, baby please lo- experience. Let me know. Uh, so we're rolling right up to the spoiler break. Before we do, I'm Reagan Kelly. You can find me on Twitter at Reagan K. That's R-A-Y-G-A-N-K. And you can find our show on Twitter at underscore short game or on the web at www.theshortgame.net. You'll also find a contact form there. That's the easiest way to get in touch with us. Or you can uh, hit us up on Twitter. We're very active there. You can also email us at info at theshortgame.net. And uh, Nate, where can people find you? Well, Reagan, you can find me on Twitter, but uh, at NateSTL. But I just got to say, I'm, I'm just going to hijack this this section for, you know, I normally read reviews from people here if we have them, uh, but we don't have any. Nothing makes me more sad than not having to awkwardly read someone's name and the nice things they say about us. So if you want me to read your name on the show, leave, read it, leave us a review on itunes we appreciate it we do and we do get a nice feeling out of every review that people leave so please keep that up if you can and shane where can people find you i also can be found on twitter so uh, i'm at 8-bit shane and here it is your spoiler break what was your favorite either like a puzzle or I know we use the term um, I think like ripped from Apple, but like the wow moment, you know, for you, for this game, like what was the first thing that like clicked for you that like, I love this game. I think for me, it was, it was sort of a sequence of events. You know, the, the sequence of events leading up to discovering the basement with all of Mm. the, according to the Twitter, they're, they're not teleporters. They are telephators, which I think is good. Uh, so that whole bit was great because like the, the game opens up a little bit at that point, you know, you, it, it's, it takes a good 60 seconds to walk from your first house over to the second house, which would be like the trailer or like that was the second one that I found. It takes a good 60 seconds to get over there. And that's a pain. Uh, and there's times where you're going to need to kind of switch between those two restart points sort of fast. Um, being able to unlock and it it takes quite a bit of work to build to find the person in the desert uh, re, uh bring them water then they go to the sign maker's place uh bring them the the wood to repair their boat then they go repair their boat <laughs> the boat wood i know how can you tell it's boat wood oh it's it, the tree has a boat on the top of it <laughs> <laughs> yeah this is where where boats come from bring them yep. the boat wood they repair their boat take the boat all the way south to a whole separate house, then do a whole bunch of puzzles down there on the little island, and then you've unlocked this sort of fast travel system, which opened things up for me a lot because suddenly I could experiment more quickly. It wasn't a pain to be like, oh, I wonder if maybe there was something back at the original house that would be worth checking out to see if it relates to this thing I found at the new house. You could just pop right over there. It made Mm-hmm. made the second half of the game it opened it up a lot more made it more friendly to explore or to try things quickly so i really loved that that was probably my favorite puzzle or sequence of puzzles i guess if you want to call those puzzles of the game that whole sequence of unlocking that new fast travel yeah that that was great and it was, it was a little um i don't know it kind of felt like i don't know like lost almost or like oh man there's this whole like underbelly of machinery to uh, this whole yeah. thing with with these uh teleporters or, or televators and 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 all of that too that up to this point it had just been 
you know, fantasy stuff like guys with swords and things. And all of a sudden you're, you're warping around. Um, and, and that and for, submarine down there. Oh, that was such a like design wise nice touch. Yeah. So, so cool. It's so like simplistic and beautiful. Um, I, I really enjoyed that. Uh, and the, the one that, um, in a similar vein to yours, Reagan, actually the, the sort of first moment where the game kind of popped for me was actually really before that, but related was the first time you unlock a second house. Um, when you go and get to that trailer, I, I had no expect, I didn't know anything about this game going in. Um, but it, it, it kind of, oh, I almost expected like, okay, this is my home and everything is always going to start from here and everything's going to be like, 60 seconds from here so just the fact that you can travel what takes just a almost exactly 60 seconds until you really figure out the path uh to get out to that and then all of a sudden you're saved there and there's a whole new there's the desert there's like the sign maker there's the temple this whole new thing that you have to explore and then like that really opened up the game for me as far as like oh this is what this like I'm really going to get to explore here and save to a degree where I'm at and see new places. It's not all just contained in these like 10 or 15 base screens. That was a surprise to me and was really, was really satisfying. Totally. Yeah. What are the, um, what's the most important item in the game for you? Other than the cursed sword, obviously. Um, Sword throwing was pretty big deal. When I finally picked that up. Yeah. There were a lot of stuff that hinged on the sword being able to be thrown. That was pretty great. Yeah, like getting across that river where those guys are attacking you from the other side. Mm-hmm. Blowing up the little bomb. frog man won't build the bridge out of lily pads for you unless you kill them. Where did you guys get stuck in the game? Like, I, I know for me, the the biggest, like, stuck I got, I, I kind of was, like, rolling on through the game. I definitely had, like, moments where I was confused, but I always felt like I was making progress until suddenly... I got really close to the end of the game, and I, I know we're in spoiler territory. This is another sort of important spoiler. Um, when you find what is essentially the final boss of the game, the, there's a moment where you have to s- shove your sword into a machine to stop the machine at the sword factory, and then you reset, and you're without your sword, and you have to get back into the factory, but you don't have your sword. All you have is the watering can. And there are a ton of places, the standard way I had been getting into the factory, that were blocked by things like stacks of paper or plants that I could no longer slice my way through. And I got real stuck. For a while, I thought, I had, I, I thought, oh, do I have to go get, there's a bone in the graveyard that functions similarly to the sword that you can pick up. And I thought, Oh, maybe I have to go get that, but it was way too far away. I was trying all kinds of crazy stuff until I finally just realized, Oh, I can take a really weird circuitous back way through the, through the, like um, the mines and then through the receiving dock or something of the, mm-hmm. uh, of the uh, factory. But it took me a really long time to figure that out. Even though none of it was like places I hadn't been yet. I'd been to all of those places. I just hadn't connected them in my mind where I realized, okay, if I need to get in past here, but that's blocked, I can go around this other way. It just didn't occur to me. Um, so yeah. I got really stuck there for a while. Ended up having to ask Minute Mary about it. And finally, I-, I figured it out before she got back to me. But man, I was stuck there for a while. 
I got stuck there a little while too. That is definitely the one I, when I was talking earlier in the game or in the episode, when I would like, when I would made judicious use of circle just to kill myself and start it over. Once I had clued in that I had to make like a perfect run. Um, I was like, Oh, I, I clipped a corner or I missed a door the way I wanted to start over, mm-hmm. start over until I made like the perfect run. Um, and a lot of that was experimentation. I didn't even think about the bone. I still don't know what that bone is for. Yeah, I'm me neither. There's, there's, uh, I'm glad I didn't think about the bone because that's actually when you said that, I was like, oh, yeah. I wonder if you can take the bone back to your dog. Oh my god, I bet you can. Maybe that's the secret of the snake. <laughs> I don't know. It could be. Yeah, that's a great call. I'm gonna let's pause the show. I'm gonna go try that. I'm gonna try that yeah. right after we record. But yeah, there's there's so many little things like that in the game. Like I know there are secrets that I didn't discover, and sometimes it's just saying it out loud like that. Yeah. Uh, what? So the only place that I got kind of stuck on, and and I also talked. About I think this maybe earlier. you can take the bone to the snakes on the beach that have that skeleton. <gasps> what about that? That's closer. Maybe. 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 I don't know. Hmm. I'm gonna have like snake nightmares tonight. Uh. The secret of the snake was the nightmares we made along the way. Uh, <laughs> the uh, So I got stuck. Um, the only place I really felt kind of stuck was when you make it into... I, I made it into where the mines were and you have to blow up those bombs. And I got to that part before I had the sword thrower. Oof. So Yeah. So I thought that that was my where I was supposed to be. Um, and I spent not a long time, but a fair amount of time trying different things to like, I don't know, just I, I, I knew I needed to blow up the bombs. And that was what I was talking about earlier in the episode where I was like, that's when it finally, you know, it occurred to me like, I must be missing an item. Mm-hmm. Right. And then, yeah, I think when I, I, the sword thrower seems like it's be one of the easiest items to miss because you, you have to, first of all, find that oasis with the sword throwing ghost. Then you have to hurt the plants around the oasis before the ghost will try to attack you. And you have to kind of like get him to come close enough to you to hit him, which he won't do under some sort like you, you have to, you have to really work at that one. It, it's, it doesn't seem obvious at all. And I felt like part of the reason why I got through the game really fast, I also got kind of lucky with the Oasis. Um, I made an educated guess about the purpose of the desert. And I was like, oh, I bet there's something secret in here. And it's probably not where you're thinking. So I went in and went up and I found the like my first experience in the Oasis or in the desert was finding the Oasis. I spent like no time in it. Um, got there on my got to it, got the sword thrower. So I'm assuming there's other secrets in the desert, but because I said before, like I accidentally beat the game before I really got to explore it more. Um, but I, is that where you guys it, does the does the oasis move or I I don't um, know if it was in the same place for me or not. It, it, I thought it was south of the temple. Yeah, I kind of I kind of remember it in that oh, area as well. So it was absolutely not south of the temple for me. So I wonder if it's just a certain amount of screens into the into yeah, the maybe. desert or something. It was Man, um it was one of those things where I I went back to it every now and then. I I I've spent a lot of time in the early game just sort of like wandering around and learning where everything was. Mm-hmm. And like 
that's pretty productive to do in the game. Like, you know, you can you can see the same old man tell you the same story on a, on a rock way off on the left side of the map. And you can explore over to the right side of the map and talk to a guy in an inner tube. And neither one of them really seemed to do much for a while. Uh, and then just like there was a log jam that kind of broke and I just solved ton of the of the game and unlocked like you know well not unlocked but like you know visited all the houses and and in not that long so I, I it was kind of like um I felt like I took a really long time at the game but then once things start started moving like it was it was really neat uh to have just all of these things line up and by the time I went mm-hmm. into the boss there was several items that were like checkpoint type items like the uh press pass and stuff like that and like i already had all of them way before same the time yeah. that i realized i was supposed to have them and it was but just like by oh, the well, way speaking of the press pass do did we all play on ps4 yeah yeah so apparently and i actually don't know the details of this and i really want to know uh apparently if you play the game on pc it's not a press pass it's a camera and I, I think that's because they have some kind of camera. Like, so I also saw somebody tweeting uh, something from a website that's like minute.camera. I think there's like a, a difference there. And I think it's because of technical reasons. Like they couldn't include, uh, maybe it like in, uses your PC web camera or something. I don't really know, but I, I haven't been able to find like hard details about what this is, but there's definitely some PC exclusive feature that has to do with what would be the press pass, but apparently is instead some kind of press camera that has some hmm. some extra features on the PC side. Interesting. I need to find out more about that because I haven't I haven't bought it on uh, on PC. I had the same experience though, Shane, where I had the press pass before I needed it, yeah, and then when here. I got to that place, yeah. So it made me kind of sad though because the guy has some like funny quips, like, "Oh, I guess you're press now. Come on in." And yeah. it's like, I want to know what he said first. I want to know what, like, what snarkiness happened before I had the press kit. I want to know if there's mask, any but... way to get past the line in the complaints department. Because I spent probably, like, a good, like, four runs or five runs just going into the room where there's, like, that lo- massive line of people waiting to make complaints to the sword factory. Yeah. I'll tell you, I poured water on just about every single one of them and nothing happened. Yeah. Uh, there is a coin there, though, if you put water on the plant. Oh, yeah. I definitely missed that one. Yeah. Wild. Yeah. I, I, I have to feel like I, I kept thinking there was going to be some kind of item that was going to let you jump over the traffic cones because there's one there. <laughs> and there's also traffic yeah. cones over at the very far, the sort of the border between the edge of the factory and the desert, mm-hmm. which would have been a kind of a useful shortcut, particularly late in the game. I, I spent a good long time thinking like when I was stuck and thought I didn't know how to get back into the factory, I thought for sure that I needed to get some kind of item that would let me like move the traffic cones or jump over the traffic cones. Mm. What sort of item would let you move traffic cones like the most immovable thing in the universe hands <laughs> <laughs> yeah uh, but then i saw uh, minute mary had uh somebody tweeted at minute mary like how do i get past the traffic cones and her response was something like you almost mu- always must obey traffic law you cannot move the traffic cones <laughs> so any final super cool stuff from the game that you we didn't talk about that you want to mention 
Well, we're here after the spoiler break. Can we talk about the fucking, like, Buck Wild ending? I loved the ending. I loved it. Yes. So, first of all, I was a little surprised that this game even had a final boss fight. But can I say, like, I like the, the like, it's an exercise in minimalism the entire game. And so it also has a very minimalist theme. Factories are bad. Swords are probably also bad. But also, there's someone who's trying to tear down, like, a bad guy who's trying to take over the sword factory. So it's just bad all around. Mm-hmm. So you finally beat like pig man in the sword factory and the sword factory explodes in a pile of swords and your sword becomes the broken sword. So you've, you know, beaten it into a plowshare, so to speak. And the final shot of the game, it leaves you essentially no other option, but Like, there's nothing to interact with except piles of swords and a toilet. And you go to the toilet and you flush your sword down the toilet. And and that was just, like, such a surprise when that actually did something and that was what ended the game. I loved that moment. Well, it was so funny because, like, nothing in this game is, like, unnecessary, right? And so you're in the factory well before and there's this huge, clearly obvious bathroom. (laughs) And all it is is a, a big room with a toilet right in the middle. I'm like... An eight-pixel toilet. Is, yeah, like, why is there a toilet here? What is this for? And well, I don't know, man. I, <laughs> I find that any game that includes a toilet, it's always interactive. Like, what <laughs> game have you ever played where you walked up to a toilet and couldn't, like, make a great flushing sound, at least? It's it's all It all goes you back know, to uh, Duke Nukem 3D. And at best, Duke you Nukem, can find yeah. some bullets and bottle caps, right? Yeah. So, yeah. So, uh, so why don't you interact with the toilet? And so my experience there at the ending was like, okay, uh, I'm walking out of the room. Oh, man, there's swords everywhere. Oh, hey, there's a toilet. I always touch the toilet in video games. Always. Flush. Minute. <laughs> <laughs> I loved that. It was so yeah. good. I, I, I just, I, I, there's so much about this game that was, like, surprising or fun or funny. Yeah. Everything about this game just was a, a little minimalist delight. So I, I'm so glad that we played it for the show. I'm so glad that it exists. Um, any any last thoughts before we uh, before we roll on out? Uh, just like I just want to dwell on that on that ending uh, at the here at the end of the podcast and say like if you're editing music into the into the show, Reagan, and you can get that triumphal like chime of like flushing your sword down the John. Oh yeah. Uh, in, then. Our listeners can revel in it, but mainly I just want to be able to go back and play it myself because it was so triumphal. It was good shit. It was. I will also say there's never been a more forgiving boss fight. Mm, Absolutely. It, it, It saves every single damage that you do. If you die... You start back over where you left off, basically. Well, it's kind of you turning the curse back on the the person who cursed you. You know, now you can't be killed. You just reset. Yeah. That's a good point. I like that. Yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, it's not a game about combat. like So it makes sense that the one and only boss fight in the game is essentially almost more of a puzzle than a fight. You know, you're trying to figure out what do I actually have to hit? Uh, you know, which of all of the hundred swords on screen is the thing that I have to hit with yeah. my sword. Uh, but I don't know, man. Those crabs. That was a pretty intense fight oh, sometimes. Those bastards. Mm-hmm. 
And it was also the only, the, the final boss fight was the only justification for the fact that you can collect hearts in the game. Like, there's nothing else in this game that really hurts you, where you really need to soak damage. Uh, how many hearts did you have at the end I of the game? I think five or six, maybe. Yeah, I only had four. Yeah, it's, uh, it's not super important. I think four is more than enough to take on that boss. It's pretty forgiving. So... Listeners, thank you so much for joining us on this episode of The Short Game. We will be back with another episode very soon. If you have a short game recommendation for us on almost any platform, please let us know. We love to hear listener recommendations on games. Also, Laura, hope you're out there enjoying your honeymoon. Sorry that you couldn't be here to play Minute. I think you would have liked it. I hope you checked the game out. She would have really liked it. So, Laura, hope you're enjoying your honeymoon. Uh, But when you get back, you got some good stuff to play. And uh, thanks so much for joining us on this episode of The Short Game.